HR, uh, oh God, what is this, Stacy? This Where is I know, HR a- Weekly, one step closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumption. I think I left been my away mind for a few on, weeks. on the West Coast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you've had a, an understandably busy week, John. So I know uh, that is, that makes a lot of sense. You're in Texas this week um, with some some family stuff. Um, all good things. So um, I think it's. <laughs> Fair to say that we that you are allowed to have a few glitches in the in the timing of your conversation today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you were you were in Australia. Did you bring home a kangaroo? I did not bring home a kangaroo, and I didn't even get to see a kangaroo or a koala bear. But I, Sydney um, was amazing, but it was also dealing with some brush fires that week. While I was, it's, it's been two weeks now since I've been there, or a week and a half now. And um, so they were they were battling that. So going outside of that was a little tough. I didn't get a chance to go to any of the wildlife refuges, uh, um, but I did get to meet some amazing people. Had a, had a really really nice time. Um, went to Australia when it wasn't sunny, which is a, a, particularly in Sydney, which is a very unusual thing because it's generally a very sunny part of the the world. But because of the fires, they had a lot of overcast. Um, so that was sort of interesting to to sort of have a different um, weather pattern. I I took an umbrella out one day and I didn't realize why I was getting all these weird looks. And the and the people who I went to the conference the next day basically said, yeah, it never rains here. And I said, oh okay, well, and it rained that day because of the fire. I mean, obviously you know what that's like, John. You know that it brings all the yep. the smoke and the wind and so yeah. Um, it was a um. It was an experience, without a doubt. I my first time in Australia, and I will say I fell in love with the country and the people. They are just amazing, forthright, which is wonderful for me because you know there's I don't, um, you know I'm, I'm very direct in my own personal communications generally, and so it worked well for me. Um, and I met some lovely people there, probably friends that I will now have uh, for quite you know lifelong friends uh, in the Australia market. So so it was good, definitely. We had, um, so what did, I was you, what did you learn there? What did you learn there? Yeah, well, I, um, I was there for the HR Tech Fest, which was a, it's a smaller, you know, event. It's, it's not huge, but about a thousand um, people um, with the mix of those being vendors and practitioners. Um, but I was, I was highly impressed with the level of um, uh, skill sets and capabilities of the practitioners that, that were at the event. Um, not everybody was was at the most senior level, but that was that was actually quite great because what you had was a good mix of executives and senior level professionals, as well as people who were on the ground doing the work. And so I thought, you know, that's a nice mix when you get that at an event. Um, many people brought multiple people from their their organizations. A lot of um, mixes of of both the Australia market as well as the New Zealand market, which is, is not as close as you might think. It's still a good flight away. Um, so we had a lot of professionals from both parts of, of that area. Um, they had three tracks. One was um, HR, the other was learning, and then they had a talent-focused one, which is a lot more on the recruiting and the culture. Um, I, my overall impression in, in general about the HR technology market for that sphere of the world is 
is one, they have been sort of left to their own devices, lots of local vendors, lots of local um, uh, sort of best practices, um, but they're starting to get inundated with what I would consider would be more Western or US-based technology providers. And it's, and it's, it's a bit confusing and overwhelming for them to get this amount of attention. We know um, Workday's been over there now for quite some time. And so I met a couple of people who had been um, recently gone to the Workday platform. Um, we know that Ceridian's getting ready to make a big push in that area. We know we've talked to ADP, they're getting ready to make some big pushes in there. You know, it tends to be after sort of the UK market, the next big international market for those large global HR technology um, organizations. And so they're starting to get the first wave of this. And you can see a little bit of the deer in the headlights from the people who are making buying decisions because they've never had this many choices before. Um, and uh -huh. particularly this many choices that are focused on their unique regulations and capabilities. So, so that was kind of fun to have that, that conversation with them about, about what's getting ready to, to come down the, down the path. Um, I also thought that the speakers at this event were particularly well selected. Um, I, I had some of my best presentations that I'd seen for this entire year. Um, three of them were, one was a Melanie Barrett from Nestle. She was a workforce analytics um, specialist. Um, she talked about an organizational network analysis uh, effort that they had done in Nestle that was fascinating. They'd done it all without, without any particular vendor, which I, you know, I'm sure many of the vendors would have loved to have been part of this process, but they did all, I would, you know, basically by hand at some level using a mixture of surveying tools and uh, different analytics capability tools and, and sort of kludging them all together. But they did a series of surveys and then analyzed that data to get a sense of the risk areas inside of the Asia Pacific market for Nestle around communication workloads and collaboration and had some fascinating findings about who was communicating with you, who wasn't communicating with each other, what risks they had because there was only one or two communication uh, points, were those things, you know, appropriate for the market? She said it, it really made a difference in their succession planning and their approach they took to hiring and into some of their strategy around um, uh, communicating with that market as a whole. Um, so that was, that was really interesting to watch. And she explained it in a way that everybody in the room understood it. And if anybody knows organizational network analysis, it's a really hard thing to explain. Um, so it's, it's, it's also a great that they did ahead, the yeah. individual people analysis. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the players in organizational network analysis are not naming names. Sort of, they're they're looking at patterns above the individual level, and so they found real success by looking at individuals. They did. I mean, it was definitely a pattern. It was still, it was at the large land a pattern level, right? But because they were able to get down to you know, who, you know, in some cases, maybe two people who were the only two people who were collaborating across, you know, two big teams that should be collaborating at multiple levels, right? They were able to identify risk areas in the organization, which a lot of times you can't because you're only seeing maybe, you know, a group of, you know, 20 or 30. And so you're not getting to that individual level. Um, so they, they said that there was some, some interesting conversations and, and they had to be very careful about how they shared that data, right? Um, and what, you know, the end users were comfortable with when they shared it. 
um, but there was definitely a focus on trying to understand who were the communication um, spots within the organization. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And and part of it may have been because they weren't using any particular tool that they they were able to do that more broadly. So um, their goal, I think, they did it with one business unit. Their goal was to expand to other business units to maybe make it a little bit of a tool that they could use throughout Nestle. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Uh, Melanie was was fascinating in her conversation about it. They also had some, I think, a really good focus at this event on not just culture, but culture from a um, you know, a lot of times in the U.S., we have a culture conversation that talks about getting people to fit into our, our culture, right? Um, and that, you know, the right hires for a specific culture, which is makes a lot of sense because if you don't get into the right culture, you're oftentimes then, you know, get end up leaving the organization. It's a big decision-making process. A lot of the organizations in this environment, and again, I think it's probably because it's more of a closed environment. So you have the limited resources you have there. So you have to figure out what you're leveraging um, it's such a world away from everyone else. The conversation was almost flipped, which was much more about making the cultures more inclusive and more accepting of where everyone else was at. There was a great presentation by Fletcher Building Limited on um, focusing on hiring attitude versus hiring skill sets, uh, which was they had this whole video, you know, discussing you know sort of how um, they were reaching the younger generation through that conversation. Um, letting them know that, you know, how they brought their attitude to work was more important, but that, you know, they were creating a work environment that would meet them both with the flexibility and their needs for mobile access and their needs for um, a more diverse work environment in a way that would be interesting to them versus something that would, you know, meet the culture of the company. The other one was an interesting uh, presentation by Steve Forham from BlackRock Industries. He was fascinating. He's you know, 30-some years old and already sort of a multimillionaire, possibly billionaire, I can't remember the actual numbers, but has built up a, you know, a, a, a massive conglomerate in the Australian market, Asia-Pacific market, and he's done it by focusing on hiring um, in a way that starts with what does the employee need their organization to do. So he talked about this great example of um, the indigenous um, tribes in the, you know, Australian market, they, particularly people who come from those cultures, oftentimes struggle because they're, they need to have sort of a different cultural environment to sort of work in it. They're great workers, they get a lot of work done, but they need to have more freedom and more flexibility because there's a lot of cultural connection to doing things like what they call walkabouts, and I'm not going to explain it appropriately, and I, and I apologize already for the fact that I'm probably going to mess this up, but I was fascinated by his conversation about the fact that he worked with a, the, the, a group of, of um, um, representatives from those various cultures to try and figure out when these walkabouts would generally happen because there's something that's more sort of ingrained in the DNA than they are something that you would plan or have a holiday schedule for or something like that. And they figured out the cycles coincided with sort of generally the cycles you would go out and you know, gather food or do hunting. And so they had built in flexibility so those professionals could do their walkabouts and still have coverage within the organization. And that was really interesting because it was all about meeting people where they at with their diversity. And there was a lot of conversation about diversity at the Australian event. So 
those were some of the big takeaways that I that I had from the event. But they were it was a fascinating um, jump into a culture that was so like the United States culture, but just slightly different and enough difference that that it was fun to sort of watch from the outside to see some of the things that they're emphasizing that we don't hear in the U.S. in the Western culture. So yeah. Got it, got it. And then, and then, right next in the news is page of people bought Clinch. Um, so yeah, page more up. Australian yeah. market. Yeah, it's a big. You know, page up is one of the biggest um, talent acquisition providers um, in the Australian market. Um, the Clinch acquisition is is along the same lines of what we've been talking about for a while, right? It's it's the services side of. Um, along with um, the technology, um, and so it's it's sort of an expected purchase as far as the the two things that are going together based off of the conversations that we've been having. But this one is out of Dublin, and their um, audience is based a little bit differently than than the current PageUp market. Now PageUp does work outside of the Australian market. They have quite a big base in the education market in the US and European space. So that makes a lot of sense then with the clinch purchase. Um, but I do know that they were hit pretty hard in the Australia market because they had a data breach. And the one thing that I found in my um, conversations throughout Australia is that Australia is particularly sensitive to data privacy conversations. Um, you know, there is a lot of conversation in that, in that region about how important it is to keep your data um, you know, in the hands of the employees with their say about, you know, who gets access to it and when they get access to it. And PageUp's data breach was very massive, but it was mostly resume kind of information, right? Um, but it was enough of a breach that it really, I think, had an impact on the Australian market. So my expectation is we'll see PageUp a lot more, you know, in Europe and the U.S. as they're trying to sort of rebuild some of their brand a bit from, from what happened there. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. And Clinch, um, Clinch is the product of a guy named Shane Gray, who I, I bet you know Shane. Everybody knows Shane. Um, um, he put a lot of freaking flyer miles in to get that deal to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and is is it both a technology and the services? I was kind of I was reading between the lines, or is it is it mostly a technology? The two things emerging there. Uh, my view, my view, and, and and I am subject to being wrong here. My view is that it's that it's both, and that it's just forward thinking enough to anticipate what a lot of software is going to look like going forward. Which is, you can't really run software as a pure licensing business any longer. Yeah. And so they're just they're just early to getting that right. And and that's going to be a conversation I think that all of the. ERP solutions are going to have to face, which is, um, you know, they've made their 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 bread and butter, and they've made their focus. We are software only, right? All of the services are outsourced. I mean, Sage, which is the next one up in our conversation here, is is a really good example of that Sage acquired Cake HR. Now, I don't know Cake HR, but um, my sense of sort of reading through is that they are more of a a bit of a core HR, but um, focusing on compliance in the HR space. Um, and it's interesting to know, you know, Sage is primarily for SMB, your small businesses, organizations under maybe a thousand or, or 1500, but 
KKHR has over 27,000 customers. They're a London-based organization, um, and Sage plans to roll out cake services um, to its own UK customers, it looks like, by the beginning of this year. And we also know that um, Sage bought in 2017 Faircell, which is more of a talent management, career management, HR application as well. So um, the other thing that I know that KKHR brings is a payroll system, and that was the one thing that Faircell didn't have. So this might be their way of, of getting a, a more robust payroll system as well. Yep. Um... I think I think something in general big is happening at Sage, and it isn't always easy to see it, uh, but but they seem to be putting pieces together to build a monster business. Yeah, I heard right. about them quite a bit when I was traveling, so I I would agree. I think I think it would be it would be a, a poor judgment to ignore them. And you oftentimes, they oftentimes do get ignored in the ERP conversation, particularly on the HR side, right? Right. right. They, they play a different game, but it is, it is a fascinating enterprise. Yeah. Okay. Hasty. You know Hasty? I don't know Hasty, but I thought if you're getting 269 million US dollars, 208 million euros, then maybe a company we should be paying attention to. That's a lot of money, right? <laughs> in the investment space. Um, but they're an employee benefit. Um, they're focused on uh, on-demand payroll. That's really what they are. But they, they kind of position themselves as financial well-being and, 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 and benefits. Um, but they're an on-demand um, payment um, in the European market, it looks like mostly. Um, uh, and their focus is on solving the nation's reliance on payday loans, credit cards, and overdrafts. Um, that's what, what their commentary is. They have huge customers like London to the airport, Iris, Avery Care Homes, Mitchell Butler. So it's some pretty big names in the UK um, and in the European market. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of money for, for, for a payday application don't you think oh this or, is you, you, this, you know this yeah. here we go again on this on this topic <laughs> this is this is um this is a payday loan company where the employer secures the loan this is not right so so the key here is that is that you can have a free first withdrawal every month of a hundred pounds um um, and then anything else is a 2.5% transaction fee. So if these are hourly workers in um, the UK, then 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 2.5% is something that we'll, they'll be spending every week. Um, and 2.5% per week is an annual interest rate of what? Um, I don't know, 200%? Something like yeah. that. Something like that. And uh, 125%. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I love this this crazy story that payday loans are the enemy and what we're going to do is secure your payday loan with your paycheck and only charge you a <laughs> transaction fee, and that isn't really interest. Yeah. Well, so, and, and we're, we're getting – a different story from some of the other organizations. So both ADP and Workday are, you know, they rolled out their similar product, 
right, in the last couple of, of months. And they're very clearly saying they are not charging the employee or the employer, but the actual merchants is where they're going with their charge, right? Yep, yep. Um, it's, still, it's good money. It's good money. Yeah. Um, uh, so, oh, and I should have doing it as well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think that the Ceridian and Workday both are doing it without charging the employee. Yeah. Um, and then, cool. you know, Who's, speaking of Workday, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. We are just off on our balance today, John. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks, is what we get, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I think I think you've just I think you've just still too Australian. You'll come back home. Soon. That is it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Still, still too blunt and to the point. I, we were heading into the sort of last one of the last conversations for the for the uh, half hour, which is um, Workday put out a, a pretty big press release and a and a conversation with their new chief customer officer Emily McEvely. Um Now they had made the announcement about the chief customer officer a little bit at their Workday Rising. I thought it was worth maybe talking about, you know you know, their focus on having a chief customer officer at this point in time, um, their comment here from, from her interview is that, you know, it's about the fact that customers now have a lot of choices and products and services, and they want someone who kind of will oversee, you know, the, you know, our sales support marketing services team to, to make sure that all the, um, the, the needs are being met at a, at a much better, you know, pace for the the work for workday customers what do you think about this move i mean is this it, we're both aware that workday has been been getting a little bit of a hit recently with their customer um conversations and we know in the market that there's been a lot of conversation about you know you know is workday getting to a point where they're they need to have more focus on their customers because they're no longer the darling of the industry right the underdog do you think a, a customer role like this is, is an important way to, to address that? Or is this, you know, a conversation where they're going to need to do probably a lot more? Well, well, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to read this as the customer satisfaction problems are so severe that we had to elevate them to a CEO level position. Um, right. Um, and, and so, Bonus points for paying attention to the fact that there is dissatisfaction in the market. Um, but an interesting signal about about the company, I am reasonably persuaded that, that what's going on at Workday are the growing pains associated with having accomplished their basic goals of becoming an ER, a, a world-class SAP Oracle level ERP provider. I think they've done that. And so so now they have to figure out how to live with the fact that that's what they've done. <laughs> and, and and elevating the voice of the customer to the um to the C-suite is exactly how you start doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, it's one of those cases of be careful what you wish for. I I would have to agree. I mean, they've now hit the the point at which um, you know, when you're no longer, you know, sort of, you know, punching above your class and trying to get to a certain point, but you are the organization to beat, 
it changes the whole dynamics, right? Both of your customers, of the people who are working around you and of the, of the competitors that you're working with. Um, and yep. so, so I think it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah. Yep. King of the Hill is a different game when you're coming up the hill and when you're king. Um, and um, it, is, it is quite challenging to get used to the difference. And so that's, well, and that's exactly the growing thing. And, and a company that's been through this at multiple levels, right, um, uh, our last maybe conversation is worth talking about is what's happening on the broader technology market, which is Google CEO um, Sundar, uh, I'm not going to say his name correctly, I never have, um, Pichao, I think it is, or Pichao, um, is the new CEO of Alphabet. But we're basically, um, Larry Page and Sergey, Sergey Brin are, are leaving um, their primary roles in heading up Alphabet and Google. They've been out of Google for a while, but they were sort of heading up, I think, Alphabet for a while. What's the scuttle on this, you know, in the, 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 the Bay Area? Any commentary, you know, on, on why this is happening right now and both of them at the same time? And is this a similar thing where they've hit a new level and they need a new type of leadership at this point and have to rethink their model? Oh, you know, I think it's healthy for the company. The 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 but Google's like twenty two or twenty three years old now, um, and um, these guys have been at it from the beginning. Um, so so they're going to go off and fly their seven forty sevens around the world um, and come back for board meetings periodically, and that probably makes sense because in tech. <clears throat> It's very unusual for somebody to be able to survive multiple generations at the top of the organization because things change so fast. Um, and so, so Sundar Pichai has been um, astonishing at Google. Um, he's brought some um, discipline and focus to something that really needed it. And so, so it's good that he's taking on the bigger uh, challenge of running the entire enterprise. Do you do you think it has anything? I mean, there was also at the same time an article, um, just I think last week about Google firing four employees over alleged data security issues. There was a big pushback that that might have been firing because of labor conversations, right? As well. Um, uh -huh. Do you think some of that also has a bit to do with it right now, which is that there is a big backlash to some extent with Google's own employees about sort of what the organization stands for and what it should be doing. I mean, when you, when you create innovation and create an environment where everyone's voice expects to be heard, does, is that a realistic way to run a business? I mean, obviously Google's made it very successful. I, like I said, one of the great presentations at this Australia event was, um, Google's learning and development function talking about how they were creating an innovation environment. Um, and it was a fascinating, you know, look into how that's done at a, at a sort of even the, the, the most basic level within Google. But any of that do you think has to play with some of this? Um, there's certainly changes going on at the company, but, but, but I think this is a different thing. <clears throat> this is a different thing. When you've made that much money, the idea of going to work every day may not be as interesting as it was when you're in the process of making that much money. Yeah, yeah, 
I do forget that that most of the people who have, who have figured out, uh, who, have, who have gone through these processes, don't need to work. Right? That's a that's a um, a, a small percentage of the world, but it is it is a nice place for them to be at. Um, well, and, and good, you good you point. have to wonder if people who don't need to work and think about it that way aren't exactly what you don't need in an operation. You know, people who need to work tend to get things done together, and people who don't need to work tend to go slower. Yeah, well, you know, time and time and money make up um, all conversations, right? As they say. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes, they do. Yeah. Well, great conversation. Welcome back, and we will now get back in our weekly groove and yeah. keep at it. Thanks for taking the time. Definitely. Yeah, always fun and, and definitely good to get back from the from the Australian market and, and share some of the insights. So looking forward to talking again next week. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. You've been here with us on HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumpter. Um, see you back here next week, same time. Bye-bye now.